0: This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. This is part one of The One Thing for Teams. This is something we are very excited about. As we've been focusing on taking the principles of The One Thing inside to organizations, there were questions that ultimately came up. You know, we were working with a Fortune 50 company, and one of the employees, a leader in the organization said, hey, I really see how... This works for an individual, but I'm not quite connecting the dots on how it would scale throughout an organization. And that statement stopped us dead in our tracks. And we went, oh my goodness, we've got to help these people line the dominoes up further. So behind the scenes, we've been asking the question how does this apply in a corporate setting, whether you're an individual contributor or as a leader? What you're about to hear is a keynote presentation Jay Papazian and myself delivered at the Keller Williams Family Reunion Convention. We're going to walk you through what the high-level principles are, what the benefits are when you begin to adopt this in your culture, the specific tools you begin to use so that you're clear, that you're clear on what your one thing is, even if you're in an organization where priorities are constantly shifting how you can begin to have more purposeful conversations with your direct reports, leveraging the principles of the one thing and how at the end of the day, you truly can live the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. As you listen to this episode, begin to think about the people inside your organization, that if they began to understand these principles would make everything else easier or unnecessary when it came to driving adoption of the one thing. Share the episode with them. And if it's of interest, if you'd like to have a conversation about what it looks like to bring these principles to your company, go to the onething.com, click on the training tab and go to the corporate training section and we can interact with you there. With that, let's get into part one of the one thing for teams.
1: One Thing for Teams. Are you excited?
2: <laughs> always makes him feel so awkward. It's so good. I think he uh, made a bet, like, because, you know, Gary Keller's next story. He wanted to make sure that we were louder than Gary's crowd. <laughs> Are you excited? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. My name's Jeff Woods. I run the company behind The One Thing.
2: Jay Papasan. I get to help write the books with Gary.
0: And uh, sincerely, thank you so much for, of all the sessions that you could choose from, you chose to be here. And our hope is that we give you an amazing return on that investment of that time. For the last three plus years, we've been working together, taking the book, and trying to figure out how we can help every single one of you be just a little bit more purposeful with your time. What we heard over and over again from our community is that they love the book, they want to live the book, and suddenly they realize it's not so easy, right? That's why what we're about to go through matters so much. How many of you have ever gotten clarity on your one thing for the day? Let me see your hands. All right, now keep your hands up. If if and only If. The world absolutely fell in line. Nobody tried to distract you. It was super easy to knock that lead dominant. Oh, oh, that's why we're here.
2: We hunted it again and again. People would come, even within the Keller Williams community, people would show up, they would want to get on board. They start building really powerful habits around the one thing, but they might go to work and they're like, they're working from their 411 and their boss doesn't understand it, right? The person they report to doesn't speak this language. And so hopefully you'll walk out of here today and have a few clues, like if you want to bring this, not just to your own life, but to whatever organization you're a part of, either you're the leader or you're someone in that organization, we'll hopefully give you some good strategies for how to do that. Yeah. Um, Because it does matter. We dedicated a whole section of the book to your environment, right? Um, Does your environment support your goals? And we spend more time at work than any other place in our lives. And so building a culture of the one thing with the people we spend that much time with really does matter if we want to keep growing and keep accomplishing our goals. Yeah.
0: Let's take a step back and talk about what becomes possible for you when you make a decision and a commitment that you are going to live this and that you're going to spread it throughout your organization. How many of you ever, at any point in time in your life, have lined up dominoes? Hands up. These small little guys, right? Now, when you lined them up, did you have to go there and knock down each single one individually? Yeah, this is interactive, by the way. Did you have to knock each one down individually? Yeah! You knocked one down, and what happened? The rest fell over. Back in 2009, there was a group out of the Netherlands called Ouija Domino Productions. They broke the world record. I don't know about you, I think I've not lined up like 20, 24 dominoes, real proud of myself. They did 4.5 million. Now imagine a room like this, temperature controlled, 4.5 million dominoes lined up. Imagine being a fly just on the wall back there somewhere, watching the leader walk up to that lead domino, and just with the flick of a finger, something extraordinary happened. That one activity unleashed more than 94,000 joules of energy. That's as much energy as it would take Jay to drop and do 545 push-ups. Sound effects and all. <laughs> when you do one thing, the right thing, it topples over many things. The path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. Here's a challenge. Does life just line up our dominoes for us and say, here's where you begin? No. Yeah, see? Highly successful people know this. That's why every single day they identify their one thing. They line their dominoes up anew and they whack away at that lead domino until it falls. What does Gary say? Until my number one priority is done, everything else is a... Distraction. Distraction. And what we now know, based on the research in the American Journal of Physics in 1983, a single two-inch domino, this little bad boy right here, it doesn't just knock one down of equal size, it knocks one down that's 50% larger. So that two-inch domino... Knocks over three. Three knocks over four and a half. And when you extrapolate it out over time, by the 18th domino, you're knocking down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, who in this room has seen the Leaning Tower before? Real life. All right, what's your name? Serena. Serena? All right, I'm going to botch that, but I'm going to try real hard. (laughs) Roll the arm. I'm coming back to you. Okay, 18 dominoes in, Leaning Tower. I mean, we can hold 18 dominoes like it's a baby, right? 23rd domino, you're knocking down the Eiffel Tower. Not the one in Vegas, the real one. 31 dominoes in, you're 3,000 feet above Everest. And 57 dominoes in, just 57. You're reaching almost from the earth to the moon. One thing done consistently over time truly leads to extraordinary. So here's the idea. The leaning tower, it's already leaning, right? Now, if I suited you up in football gear, a lot of coffee and Red Bull, really good pep talk, can you run and knock it over? No. Really? Like, not even just like a little hip check? It's already leaning. Yet how many of us see the 18th domino in our business and we are ramming our head against it day after day after day, trying so hard to knock it down and wondering why it's not falling? It's because we're thinking big and we're acting big. The opportunity is to do what? Think big and go small. To keep going so small to the point that it is a two inch little domino that with
2: the flick of a finger, it falls over. I was gonna say, how many people here would really love to have everything they wanted? I mean, you just get that list out, start checking them all off, and you want it to all happen like really fast, like this year fast. Only a few of you, that's really surprising. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all, like, we want it to happen faster. And because we want it to happen faster, and I think as an industry, we're impatient, right? We want to get things done, right? We're doers. That's why we're in business for ourselves. It's so easy to fall into that trap. So maybe you're not jumping to the 18th domino, but maybe you're just jumping to the third. And one of the truths when we studied this again and again and again is the people who's doing what Jeff says, success is sequential. They go ahead and start with the first one yeah, they had to back up a few steps to get to that one because they really wanted to skip ahead. They start getting momentum and they start getting to those bigger dominoes a lot faster than the people who keep trying to cheat. Every time you try to take a shortcut, every time there's a silver bullet that you just are sure is going to work, you're probably actually moving yourself backwards. Right? Just do the work. Just do the work. It's not complicated. Just do the work. And let momentum build up. I mean, to me, this graph is all about exponential momentum. If you graph the number of agents in Keller Williams, by the way, that's what it looks like. When I joined in the year 2000, September 2nd, 2000, there were 6,700 agents. You go back 10 years, right, to 1996, there were about 1,400 agents. And you start looking at that build, and it was growing. It grew for a good 10, 12 years at 40% year over year. That's almost exactly the same pace. And when you're doing the right thing, you're doing that one thing, and you just keep sticking with it. When everybody else wants to skip it, you just keep going back and doing it and doing it. That's when that exponential success shows up. That's actually how it happens. That's how we built this company. That's how all great successful companies look like. They call it a hockey stick graph for a reason. And it can look like nothing's happening until it's happening so fast, it'll actually scare you. Yeah, When it comes to you living the one thing,
0: especially in a team setting, do you think it's like you walk out of this session you're like, got my lead domino and everybody falls into line? Your journey's going to be like this. And what we know from Gary is he says... Most of us are failing so slowly, we think we're succeeding. Every time we stop by and go, hey, you got a minute? We're failing so slowly, we think we're succeeding. Every time you just invite people to a meeting just because you feel like they shouldn't be left out, and you're pulling them off their most important work, as a team, you are failing so slowly, you think you're succeeding. Our hope is that by the end of this presentation here today, you know what your lead domino is and that you mentally are prepared to trust the domino effect. Because for me personally, as a millennial, I want to knock it down and I want a trophy. (laughs) And I'm shocked when he doesn't give me one. But then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it again. So the next day I knock it down. No! (laughs) No! He steals my no button and still no trophy. We got to trust the domino effect. Fair? So how do we identify our one thing? What's the focusing question? What's the one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. Now, notice it says one thing. I remember when you said, Jeff, it's, the book's called The One Thing, not The Two Things. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It's the one thing you can do. Not you'll feel guilty if you don't do it, or you just your boss says you should do it. Like you actually can, with the flick of a finger, knock it down. Such that by doing it, mean you do flick it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Meaning your dominoes are lined up and when you knock it down, they fall. That is a big question. Now, when you ask big questions, you have to do what? Search for what? Answer. Big answers. When we ask a question like this, a lot of us very quickly hit this wall of, I don't know, ordinary people stop the search there. Extraordinary people continue to search. They search for the answer. So today, we're probably going to ask you some bigger questions and we want you to search.
2: Sound fair? And I'll just say this this is not a difficult question in the industry that we're all here a part of. It's been answered. It's been answered for a long time. So, what's your one thing? Lead generation. And in a shift, even more importantly, it's lead generation. The real estate professionals who get that right, they only have to get one thing right. They get that thing right, everything else does become easier or necessary. You want to know how you can get out of ever having to show a buyer again? Lead When you have enough buyers, that becomes an amazing opportunity for a showing assistant and then a lead buyer agent. And then guess what? You're out of that business. If you don't want to ever have to walk through a listing presentation again, what do you have to do? Lead Generate. When you're going on seven, eight, maybe 10, I know Wendy waited till she had 11 seller appointments a week. Now that she's built an amazing opportunity for someone to step into and have a six-figure income. And guess what? She doesn't have to go and see listings anymore. No more seller appointments. Everything that you're doing can be delegated. Everything that you're doing can go from your job to a business business. I just say everything is possible and you can turn your job into a business just by this question and that singular answer lead generate. And your whole organization needs to do it as well. So Jeff's asking me, you know, Gary just took on a new job. It's his old job. It's been over 30 years since he was CEO. And it's absolutely overwhelming when I look at his schedule, all that he's doing right now. And for the first time in a long time, his, even his system for doing things is falling apart. It's so much so fast that even that is sometimes failing. But he said, it's not, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. As a leader, I'm going to step in and I'm going to figure out what matters. And to figure out what matters, I have to be present. So he's doing like 18 presentations here at Family Reunion. Just 18. That's a lot. And a lot of them, like six and a half hours, seven hours is in front of 17,000 people. Don't worry, if you mess up, nobody's going to notice. <laughs> right? But he's going to figure out what's important. And the moment he understands what is important and what's unimportant, everything that's unimportant is going to get delegated. And when he understands what is important, then he's going to focus on it until he knows how to do it well enough that he can teach someone to do it for him. A business journey is learning how to master something so that you can then teach someone else to do it for you. That's what it means to be a business owner. That's what it means to be part of a business. You're going from I do it to we do it to they do it. And if you can master this, it It's unbelievable. The number one income earner as an agent in our company was earning about $2,000 an hour. Would you like to get paid $2,000 an hour? Well, they mastered those simple skills. They mastered lead gen, four listings, and then leverage. The three L's still works, folks. And now you're going to have Kelly and command to help you out. So don't overcomplicate it. Yes, in some places, that answer can be tough, that big answer. The answer is relatively known. You just got to figure out what is it that I'm going to do and do regularly so I can knock over that domino every single day.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about now that we're in a team setting, yeah. the one thing for teams, what's required and what stops us? It's what we call the three C's. Mm-hmm. First is clarity. When we ask the question, what's the one thing that's missing that if they just don't have that, nothing else matters. It's clarity, folks. How many of you, if I was sitting down with you in a coaching conversation I said, hey, what are your priorities this week? What are the handful of priorities that if you just knock them down, everything else in your business would be easier or unnecessary? How many of you really would be able to look at me and go, easy, boom, 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 without hesitation? Most people stop and they stare at you and they're like, ah, that's a lack of clarity. And, and by the way, there is zero judgment here, because I've been there. This is about exposing where you are today. What's the baseline so that we can identify? Great. Where do we need to focus? It's-
2: if you want to know if you have clarity or not, you want to do a simple test, open up your calendar and see how you spent your time last month. Did you spend more time on lead generation than anything else? If the answer is no, then maybe you haven't gotten quite clear enough. That's really the clue, Right. How we invest our time, right, that is how we declare our priorities. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny, there's this trick. And when you were saying, you asking people, I was imagining all the people who say, yeah, I'm really clear about my priorities. I'm going to lead generate, I'm going to lead generate for listings, and then I'm going to lead generate for leverage. A lot of people understand that, but they don't have a clarity enough internally that to really believe it and have faith in it to actually do it. So if you ask someone, how many books are you going to read this year? They might say twelve. You say, how many did you read last year? They'll say four. Guess how many they're going to read this year? Four. If you want to know kind of what's the clearest indicator of what you're going to do next week, look at what you did last week. And you can start remapping that the moment you walk out of the session by recommitting to time blocking, which we'll talk about, getting really clear, and you make those things happen. Yeah.
0: The second thing that's missing is control.
2: And that's where the team really comes in.
0: Yeah. And we know most people don't have it, because they wake up, their alarm goes off, and they're either checking email or social media. They show up to the office, they open their computer, and they check email till they go to a meeting, and they get out and ask, what should I be doing? And they don't know, so they check email until somebody asks, do you got a minute?
2: All right, and- so that's a lack of self-control. <laughs> we also know that there's people in here that walk into the office, and they've got their time block. And then they get called into a meeting by someone who's got more power in the organization than they do. Right? There are people that are on that side. So there's self-control and there's also control control. And we can address both of those. Yeah. And then the third is
0: community. One of the thieves of productivity is an environment that doesn't support your goals. And when we, um, just from going into corporate America and doing training, whether that's for sales organizations or manufacturing, it really doesn't matter... What we often see is they, the teens don't actually act like a community. Think about when people say, I live in a community. The feeling you get, the sense of support, the sense of belonging, the sense of I've got your back. And it's missing.
2: How many of y'all saw us interview Danny Blaine? That was pretty powerful, wasn't it? And didn't come out there because we had to be very careful about where we went. But she shared with us, which I thought was really great, is when this tragedy in her life happened, she really quickly found out where her community was. Absolutely, right? That is one of the gifts of when things happen is your community shows up loud and clear. And she understood where she did have it. And in her team, there was an amazing community. And Gary's mastermind said those ladies in that mastermind were reaching out to her every day, every week. You will find out where your community is. And it surprised her where she didn't find it. And that is that kind of clarity we're looking for. I think a lot of people understand, right? Who we hang out with, who we work with matters. And it gets really clear when something bad happens. Our opportunity is not to wait for something bad to happen. Yeah. To get really clear about where our community is and to proactively build it. We do this for our children, right? No, nope, you're not gonna hang out with that kid. Because I'm not quite sure how they're spending their afternoons after school. And I would rather you be hanging out with these kids. Because I am clear about their priorities and their standards. And I want you to spend time with them. But we don't take our own advice. Right? So getting clarity, having a feeling of agency and control over yourself and your environment. And then that community. These are the three C's, man. They're big. So let's do a little experiment here.
0: And I'm just going to ask you to trust me. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath feel your feet on the floor, like really get grounded. What would be possible if every day you truly were clear? You saw your number one priority and you saw everything else as a distraction. It was black and it was white. In your bones, you felt this sense of complete control of yourself, and control to the sense that the people around you would fall in line, and you really deeply felt a sense of belonging, pride, knowing that the people around you, you support them in getting clarity on their one thing, they support you, and there's a language of respect so that when your one thing is not their one thing, you can still march together toward your goals. What would your life look like? What would actually be possible? That's the journey we're going on. Open your eyes. Are you excited? It's just for him, man. (laughs) Okay, you ready to dive in? Yeah. Let's talk about how this works. How many of you have ever thought, okay, there's all these tools, there's goal setting to the now, there's a GPS, there's a 411, there's time blocking, there's a 20%, there's an 80%. (sighs) Yes, enthusiastic woman. (laughs) This is what we we call the productive system. It starts with goal setting to the now. You go way out someday and imagine what you want life to look like. You set those goals. And this is not complete clarity. It's about gaining a sense of direction. Tomorrow at 3.15, we're going to be teaching how billionaires set goals. Interested? Say yes. yes. Okay. We're going to walk through this deeper there. But you go way out someday. And then based on that, you identify your five-year goals. Then based on that, you identify where you need to be by the end of this year to be on track for your five years so that you're on track for your someday. Once you get your one-year goals, we're good at setting one-year goals. What we're not good at is having a relationship with them. We can print them out on a pretty PowerPoint. We can stick it on a wall. But we lack clarity on the one thing we can be doing right now to absolutely be aligned with our goals. So once we set those one-year goals, we have some goals, like in our business, that are big, they're complex. We might have multiple people involved. Those types of goals are the ones that require a GPS, a one-page business plan, because it's real tough to be on the same page when your business plan literally does not fit on the same page. Then based on when you look at your GPS, each priority, each strategy should have a name next to it. The person who owns that priority or strategy, that then moves to that person's 411. The question gets asked, do I have to have a GPS in order to do a 411? What do you think the answer is? No. (sighs) No.
2: Is that a trick question? Yeah, it was a trick question. It was leading. I just wanted to see what the general census was. You don't have to. The GPS is a great tool for breaking down a big goal, though, right? If you're a one-person team, right, you are a team of one, guess who gets to have all of the different objectives from the GPS on their 411? So it kind of becomes a duplication, but it can also be a tool for you to get real clarity about where the priorities are and what comes first. So I do think it's not always necessary, but it is a fantastic tool for breaking down a big goal, your big goal for the year, whether it be physical, personal, or professional. Right. Now, the f- is everybody here really clear what a 411 is? Yeah. I heard some notes. Thank you. Because I, I, it's easy to kind of walk around in KW, especially, and think, oh, we all know what it is. Um, we'll show you the document, but at a really high level, and we'll break down probably your document, right? Yeah. So a 411 is where you put your annual goals. So imagine a, a piece of paper divided into three tiers. At the top are your annual goals, in order of priority. And then based on your annual goals, you'll put down, hey, it's February. What am I going to accomplish in February to be on track for my annual goals? You're just taking that goal setting to the now process from the annual to the month and then each week. You know, it's one year, one month, and four weeks. That's kind of what it always looks like. So based on my monthly goals, what do I have to accomplish this week? And it creates a rhythm where every week, guess what? You have to update that form. Each week, you have 52 chances over the year to get on track for your goals. When he says you don't have a good way to have a relationship, all you need is a simple tool that forces you to engage a minimum of 52 times a year. And it only takes a few minutes to do that. So you have your annual goals that you own from your team, or they're all yours, and based on those priorities, you break it down to what am I going to accomplish in February, right? You're going to walk out of here and you're going to have, what, about a week and a half left in this month? Then you're going to say, well, to stay on track for my goals, I've got about seven days left. What am I going to accomplish this week to wrap up my February and be on track for my year? That's what the 411 is as a really high level.
1: Yeah.
0: And the 411 gives you clarity on what? Your (laughs) priorities. The 20% items that generate 80% of the results. We'll walk through what some of the the mistakes are that we see when we coach people to this. That's to reflect the must-dos, not the to-dos. The 20% activities drive your planner and your digital calendar. That's what gets time-blocked. The 80% everything else goes on a to-do list. For Jay and I, Me, it's the back of my 411. I literally have to flip my 411 over to see all the things that generate the little results. But I want to be confronted with my priorities. Most people's digital calendars just reflect
2: meetings with other people. The the 80-20, just in case there's someone here who has known that, that goes back to Pareto's principle. That 20% of what we do will give us 80% of our results, and the opposite is also true. And I think the trap we all fall into is one of the main things, though. If there was only one takeaway someone got from the book, that's why it was one of the first chapters, everything doesn't matter equally, is to try to live in those 20%, right? To live in the things that actually get you the big results, because it's very easy. And I've, hey, we have a huge real estate team. I get to watch my wife. Y'all have long to-do list. I get it. But just checking off those things does not mean you're actually moving forward on your goals, It feels good, and on my worst days, I get caught up in a game of checking things off, where if I just did one meaningful thing, I actually would make far more progress. And so that's what the 411 is. It just reminds us that there are a few things that are real priorities, and we need to start our day with those. When we go and do training
0: at a corporate and a team level, we narrow it down. What's the one thing teams can start doing such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary, it's the 411. That's
2: the one thing for teams. I know we built our team around it. Yeah. Wendy was using a 411 when she worked at the State Historical Commission of Texas, and it bled its way into that system. I had a course writer that reported to me back in 2004 who went to work at Fossil, and I hear that their instructional design department uses 411s. Yeah. It's simple and it works. We think big and go small. Nice. You know what's happening, right? I mean, I know. If that was in the audience, I'm hearing, this is how Gary kind of wants this all to work, and I'm reflecting on how I actually work. Is that kind of in the ballpark? Yeah. You just, it's okay. Go internal. Don't judge yourself, though. Yeah. This is not a should fest. I'm not. I should be doing this. So that's no. Don't shit on yourself. It's rude. <laughs> just go ahead and write yourself a get out of jail free card and say, just going forward, I'm going to be a lot better at doing my one thing. I'm going to start working from a document that gives me more clarity. And because I have more clarity, I'll have more control, and I can actually be very proactive about who I'm hanging out with and building that community. It all kind of comes from a very simple act of getting really clear on your priorities. And when you know what you're saying yes to, it's actually a lot easier to say no. Yeah. Right? It's just a lot easier. And when we called it in the millionaire real estate agent the day before vacation miracle. Right? The day before you go on vacation you know what your priorities are, right? You get a lot done. You cancel the newspaper. You get the dog to the kennel, right? You clean up. You get packed. You get your passport all together. Your tickets, you log in to you know, Southwest. You can get in the A group. You get all of that done, but what are you not doing? You're not scrolling through Facebook, right, for hours on end. You're not trying to check out how many likes you got on your Instagram post. You're not spending all of your morning in email. You actually woke up and like, man, if I don't get this stuff done, I'm going to have my laptop on the beach. And I don't want to have my laptop on the beach. I want to have a good Stephen King novel on the beach and maybe an umbrella drink. We have very different vacations.
0: (laughs) You like umbrella drinks. I gave you that one. I'm almost going to start carrying umbrellas because they don't give them to me anymore. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's think big. Let's go small. How do we start? living the one thing, okay? It's just, we're we're a company of models, right? So very, very simple. First, you got to identify what your one thing is. You can do that by either asking the focusing question or you can use a tool like the 411. The 411 will illuminate your one thing at any moment in time. Once you know what your one thing is in that moment, you time block it. You open up your planner. You open up your digital calendar. And you schedule time with yourself to accomplish that one thing.
2: Can I pause and just make one little yeah, absolutely. addition there? And I think one of the common mistakes we see when people are doing their 411 for the first time or asking the question is they'll have an answer that's more outcome-based than activity-based. And it's right there. When you think about your one thing, you need to think about an action. It's an activity that you're doing. Yeah. Um, I always say, like, you know what? Maybe I need to do is reduce my stress. Yeah. You can't time block, reduce stress. You have to time block an activity that reduces your stress. Maybe for you it's exercising. Maybe it's for you it's meditating. Whatever that is. The same thing around lead generation. right? I'm going to get 15 appointments. Well, awesome. What are you going to do? Are you going to knock on 100 doors? Are you going to call your sphere for the next three hours? It's an activity, and that's that activity that you best feel will give you the results you want. That's just a, a quick focus change on how you do it, and that's what your time blocking is—the activity that gets you the results. Right. And once you're in that time block, you protect it. Right. You protect it like the
0: air you breathe. Identify your one thing, time block your one thing, protect your time block. That's it. It's not folks. complicated, folks. Surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. That's seldomly done. And again, no judgment. This is just about where are we today, and how do we do better? So let's talk about what this really looks like. Because how many of you have ever used a four hundred and eleven ever? Okay, great. Woo, now keep that's it, awesome. keep your hands up if you just if you update it every week. Okay, we, we know where the baseline is.
2: There you go. Right? That's great. Thank you for being honest too.
0: How many of you have ever started doing it, but then realized that because your team didn't do it, it just it just it was hard to keep it going, right? Here's, here's the truth. All leadership begins with what? Self-leadership. Self-leadership. So when we talk to organizations about how do we do this, it would be great. Can I ask you a question? Yes.
2: Did you update your 411 this week? No.
0: I looked, I it either. I, I looked at it this morning, and I started going through it, and I went, oh, snap, I'm about to show them my 411, and it's going to be
2: last week's. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of clear what my, my one thing was this week. I've spent the last five weeks preparing for it, um, but it still would have been a good thing to actually physically do it. So even people who, we put ourselves under a, a microscope up here, and we're trying to be transparent. I'm not batting perfectly here, Mm-mm. right? It happens. Sometimes, some weeks, I don't go in and electronically update it. I write on it. Right? Because that extra five minutes is too much. But just asking the question, what is my priority this week? It always helps you. It always helps you.
1: So, um, And I could be wrong, but either way I want you guys to clarify this. Um, it's, It's one thing at a time. Right? Because what's very intimidating about this is like, it's like all I'm going to get to do is buy one thing. Mm. Like it makes me feel like I'm not going to get anything else done, which I suppose would be okay. But it, it's, it's about one thing at a time, right? The best story that you told, the one where Gary Keller took your GPS and cut it off. So that's the way I think of it. Like, yeah. okay, if you, couldn't, if you could do only one of your things, your priorities... What would it be? And then you have earned the right to do the next one.
0: Great. How many of you have that. ever wondered,
1: but I have more than one thing?
0: Yeah. We all do, folks. And thank you for bringing that up. It's one thing at a time. It's how can we be appropriate in the moment, the purpose of a goal? It's one thing at a time. So here, when we look at how we spread this at a team, it'd be great if Gary's your CEO and you sit in the headquarters and as a standard, we do 411s. And that's not the reality
2: for pretty much everybody in this room. Is it the whole reality in our company? No. Okay, like I said, again, not everyone's perfect. We're all on that level. There are departments in our, I can tell you which ones they are, I'm not gonna name them, but I know which departments in Gary Keller's company have a culture of the 411 and which ones don't. If you're in here, we will find you. (laughs) And we're we're trying to preach this inside the building and out, right? It works. So this is what it looks like. It would be great if it could go from top down.
0: And what this actually looks like is it starts with you as the individual. Yep. And what we're going to show you are the questions that you ask yourself on a weekly basis and the tools that support it. As an individual, you ask, what's my one thing? How do I time block? How do I protect my time block? And from an activity standpoint, that, that habit that we would suggest you form... Is to keep a 411 with yourself to the point that you update it on a weekly basis so every week you are clear
2: on what you need to do to be aligned with your goals. I think it's really great if you're an individual in the organization and you're not having to be the leader. Do you know what your company's one thing is? Do you know what your team's one thing is? If you're a buyer agent or a showing agent on the buyer agent team, do you know what the one thing is for your team that year? Because one of the great things you can do as an individual inside of this other organization is make sure that you're one thing. You know how it connects to the organization's one thing, Mm -hmm. right? Not just your team and the division you're a part of, right? Because the people who best manage that are the people who move up the ladder the fastest. They're very clear about how what they do connects to the whole. And that applies whether you're an ISA, whether you're on the admin team, how do you connect to the big one thing? And that is a huge thing that you can get clarity on. And if you're not 100% sure, just walk in with your 411 and say, hey, I think my one thing's this, is that right? And is this how it works? And usually your manager or whoever you report to should be very interested in making sure that's aligned. Mm -hmm. But that's a great thing to do. Are you aligned with where the company's going? So it all starts with you. I don't care if everybody else in your
0: world refuses to do a 411, or just commits to always being in their inbox and being the best meeting attender in Keller Williams, you can start keeping a 411
2: with yourself. I've talked to dozens of people who go into every meeting with their manager, and they have a 411, and their manager doesn't even know what it is. It doesn't matter. What is very apparent to their manager is that they are very clear on their priorities. And they're succinct, because guess what? Your list of priorities on your 411, about how many might there be in a week? Three to five max. It's not a long list. That It can be a very short conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Starts with you as an individual.
0: Well, there you have it. Part one of the one thing for teams. Next week, we will talk about how if you're a leader inside an organization, you can begin to use the specific tools of the one thing to not only live the principles yourself, but also to spread them with your team. If this episode has brought value to you, please consider sharing this with the people inside your organization. Text it to them, send it via email. Share the ideas. You would be amazed the impact you can have when you begin to get a core group of other people to talk the language. And if you'd like to explore what it looks like to have us come into your organization to begin training around these principles, go to the onething.com slash training. Scroll down to the corporate training section and you can learn about the offerings that we have there. And like we mentioned, right around the corner is our mid-year reset retreat. Whether you are ahead of your goals, whether you're a little bit behind and you need to make up the gap or whether you're just a little bit confused and you need some clarity, now is a very natural time to press the reset button. You can join us in Austin, Texas, or you can do a reset remotely from anywhere around the world. It all starts by going to the one thing.com reset. Thanks so much for listening to the One Thing Podcast. If you are new to the show, make sure you click that subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And if you have not yet done this, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It helps us reach more people and spread the message. Thanks so much. And we look forward to being with you next week for part two of the One Thing for Teams.